0: hey wonderfuls welcome to episode 387 of the jv club with what i believe is my last boy of summer josh levine i am a big fan of josh's i had such a great time doing his podcast uh, rebel radio uh some months back and was super excited to get on the old horn with josh and talk about some cool stuff including his uh teenage years in san francisco my sweet sweet san francisco I hope everybody is holding up in the pandemic that continues on. Many of us are starting to look towards uh, returning to some sort of regular thing. Many of you already have been. Some of you have had to do it all with this all happening and raging away. So extra, extra shout out to you and um, all of the other crazy stuff that's going on in the world. I'm going to say this uh, redundantly probably for weeks to come, but please do vote. I recognize that in many ways things could not be more wackadoo, for lack of a better term, but that does not mean that we should stand by. So let's do it. Let's vote and um, keep the semblance of democracy going. Okay, sending all of you some hugs. Please enjoy this episode. Goodbye to you. Oh, finally I can have my own hobby just to myself <laughs> that isn't baking bread cuz I haven't right. done that.
1: Oh my god, how oh. many people are baking? It's it's so insane with all the baking going on.
0: So that they're really all of I'm trying to think if there's anything that's that's kind of um sweeping the nation that I can that I can say like, "Oh, guilty as charged. I am that person." I don't think oh, I have any. No? Yeah, I don't have any like, oh, this is that that thing that we're all doing because Instagram told us how to or whatever. I just don't have anything your, like that. Your,
1: your workout, no changes.
0: My workout, as uh, listeners of the podcast may have learned in the last couple of weeks, has been that I get up really, really early uh, before I ever did or would choose to normally, unless mm-hmm. I'm you know working on a show or something, at like 5.30, 6 o'clock so that I can get outside Ideally, when there's still some June gloom because we still have been having it even into August, yeah, and when um, the fewest people are out in the world, just not because I 'm afraid of anything, just because I really love solitude, sure, so I've become that like really early to bed, early to rise person and 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 these these sort of hike walks. Um, that I go on that are, you know, I live in the hills and I walk in the hills that even yeah. the ones that I don't live in are just, they're just hikes by, by virtue of where, where I am have become longer and longer as my desire to get back to work grows smaller and smaller. <laughs> Is that right? So like today, I mean, granted, i like was on a phone call for quite some time today, but I walked for three and a half hours. This wow.
1: Morning. Now do you do the walk the walking conference calls?
0: I don't uh this was like just a, a sort of an exception because I was already out and I was further away than I had planned to be but um I don't because I'm so that's like you know I'm so generally uncomfortable with like am I being loud? How loud do I think I'm talking oh, versus funny. how loud is it clear to everyone else that I am talking because I don't want right. to do that that yell
1: See, I try to do that. I, I, I do as much as I can. I like to be out walking while I'm on calls. I used to travel to New York a lot. And like I would just, you know, I would have a day of calls sometimes. Like, I've, I, you know, I'd have an event at night and I've had the day to just work. And I would just walk the streets of New York all day long on conference calls. Well,
0: and, good for you. to Because otherwise you wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't even get any like New York on you right which is important to me when yeah and it's yeah. such a
1: city you want to walk in and so i don't you know in la it's harder but i, I live by the marina so i'll so you know at least a couple of days a week i go down the marina and i just walk around the boats while i'm on calls
0: yeah i mean i think first of all new york being on a conference call in new york couldn't couldn't support it more that's such a loud city that like <laughs> oh yeah who cares i always feel like i'm you know like i'm in my neighborhood or surrounding neighbors are so quiet Mm, (laughs) that i always feel like you know like and then and also there's a lot of like blind curves so i feel like i'll be in the middle of being like i don't know i'm just so pissed oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry (laughs) i'm sorry i bumped into you and your baby carriage that's hilarious
1: I, i i don't picture you yelling at people though I, that, I mean i'm not a yeller at all i can't, I can't see that <laughs> I think
0: it's probably my laugh is probably the most obnoxious thing to overhear if i'm on a phone call <laughs> nice. oh yeah yeah um well i'm so glad that you're in santa fe i i'm staring at a poster of uh a piece of uh, beautiful art that says santa fe on it so i'll oh, send cool. you a snap what a coincidence what i what i stare at when i podcast um it's uh, it's such a a great town. How's everybody handling it there? Is it what's the sort of like COVID reading of how people are conducting themselves?
1: I mean, it seems about like like at home. Yeah. <clears throat> as far as like you know, there's not a lot of people out. I mean, we haven't been out much at all. Uh, we've gone to pick out take pick up takeout a couple times, mm-hmm. and we went. We have we're with a bunch of kids in the house, so we took everybody to the park and yeah. on some hikes and stuff. So. I would say there's not a lot of people out. Most people have masks. Some don't. Um, and, you know, in general, I think it, it seems. It's definitely like when I go, I have, I've been going to Orange County lately to play tennis because I have a friend down there with courts. And um, down there, there seems to be nobody with masks. And That's it, what I
2: hear. It's
1: way different. Uh, but Santa Fe seems a bit more like L.A.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but, you know, I think, you know, if you're, first of all, we stayed home for whatever, three, four months, like everyone else. And then yeah. we just found ourselves needing four different walls to stare at, right? Yep. As opposed to our Absolutely. own. And um, so we went to India last month and stayed in the house there. And now we're in Santa Fe and just so places that we can drive to, but, you know, and maybe find a hike or some, a bit of nature to be around. Sure, um, sure. It's uh incredibly rejuvenating and you know i i think we're uh, my family and i were pretty much okay with the the solitude and we like each other which is um amazing yeah so uh, it could definitely be a lot worse but um but yeah it's sometimes i think we just feel like we need a change of scenery
0: I'm um, that's that's entirely relatable i think so many people are are you know starting to venture out and I mean some people did right away um which I also get I think uh I got trapped in the like what if I have it and I don't know it even though there's just no way I have it (laughs) but then I shouldn't drive somewhere and give it to like Yellowstone I don't know like there's a sort of sense of like you know that but but then also just kind of a um Oh yeah, I don't, and, and I think if, if I had kids it would be, it, I would have been pushed over onto that side a lot sooner because to feel the way I feel and not have kids, because uh, in in my case it's almost the reverse because it's like, oh the dogs, like what are we going to do with the dogs? Um, they're just not, like one of them is when we took her to Tucson when I was dealing with a bunch of stuff for my mom a few years ago, we specifically picked this house that had a big wall wall. Um, <laughs> because uh, one of the dogs is a husky and she is go- she will escape if she can just because she's interested she'll escape wander for a minute and then just hang out kind of like wishing she could get back into wherever <laughs> she was wait for you to that's go that's her pick jam her yeah yeah and so we came we came back and she had somehow jumped the wall which i still don't understand and she was just c- covered in prickly pear
1: oh man
0: and so that night was just like tweezing Uh, like spines out of her you know mouth and paws for like hours (laughs) so there's a sort of sense of like okay you either need to be ready to be with the dogs every second or you need to kind of you know find someone to watch them which feels like oh you don't want to kind of do that in the middle of uh, the covid i don't know anyway it's sort of been a it's been a it's been a a deterrent that has caused us to not to not do anything but yeah we may be getting to the point where we're like we gotta do something you know um where are you from originally
1: well i grew up in san francisco um i was actually born in ohio but i i tell people i'm from san francisco because i got there when i was four and we don't have any roots in ohio or or anything like that and so my my parents are from la but we so i spent my childhood in, in right in the city uh you know six blocks from city hall and um Hayes did we talk?
0: I don't think we talked about this when I did your podcast, did No, we? I don't
1: think so. We were yeah. busy talking about more interesting things like your life. Um, oh,
0: guess what? Now that's what's not interesting on this podcast. It's a, it's a real 50-50 what? No, it's a real 50-50? No, sure. it just it it just flipped. It just flipped. Oh. Um, okay, so you were really close to where I was living when I lived there. Where did you live? Um, not to say we live? were there at the same time. Sutter and Leavenworth for nine and okay. a half years.
1: Yes, yeah, so I was on Hayes and Fillmore. That's Um, so funny. Which is very different. I spent so much
0: time in Hayes Valley. So much time. Well, you know, and even now going back for Sketchfest, like it's just one of those areas that uh, now I stay in in Japantown every time I'm there. So then I really am right there and I go down there to eat and stuff. Yeah. That's a busy uh, intersection. No, it's not. Not on Fillmore. Never mind.
1: Um, you know, it, it had its moments. So we were, if everyone knows the painted ladies, those houses from full house, that Mm -hmm. was a block and a half from my house. Um, which is incredible because you know, they're these, I mean, who knows how much those things are worth now? It's ridiculous. But, um, you know, this iconic picture of, of San Francisco and then where I lived a block and a half away was half a block from the projects. It was, you know, complete, uh, you know, it was, it was one of the major ghettos of of the city. And yeah. um, you know, I t- for people in LA it's it's like my street was a lot like Abbott Kinney in that, mm-hmm. you know, back then it was dangerous and run down and uh and all of that. And now it's, you know, eight dollar lattes and um <laughs> you know crazy yeah. hipster shops and uh Adidas originals or whatever yeah. goes into those places.
0: Yeah. Well then, yeah. So you were definitely because by the time I had moved to San Francisco in the sort of mid nineties, um, it was it was it was already pretty gentrified down there. I mean, Hayes Valley, yeah, Hayes Valley was already kind of like the Fillmore, sort of still is what it is, mm-hmm. um, uh, which I still about I also have a f- fondness for again, just from you know just being in the city and and that being an area I spent time in, but. Uh, but yeah, I think Hayes Hayes has been it's definitely only gotten more eight dollar latte, but Oh yeah, uh, for sure. Like way more. But um but yeah, I guess when I was there it still was there was more of it was more of an intersection between those two, right? Right. But, yeah, it
1: was a it was, you know, that gentrifying time and that first dot com boom was starting, I think. Um so I I left in eighty nine. I graduated high school and and uh moved down to LA in eighty nine. And so I missed all of that. But, you know, I was there for for what what I think is a fascinating time in San Francisco history of just the 80s. Um, Crazy, you know, crazy time in the city with with club culture and and sort of, uh, you know, the post post hippie era. There was enough remnants of that. Like we would walk down Hate Street and count how many times we were propositioned to buy drugs Oh sure. And it was never less than 10 within like two blocks. (laughs) Um, and you know, and the AIDS
0: crisis. I mean, that's San Francisco was hit so hard by that. Um, I had so many older friends when I moved there who had, you know, just lost like the same as New York, just lost, you know, a dozen close friends. It's just hard to imagine, impossible to imagine really.
1: You know, it's interesting. So I, I, um, I started this, uh, music industry summit since COVID that I've been producing. We've, we just had our second one last week. Um, so it's oh, a nice. virtual conference and I've talked to different people in the industry about how they're adapting to, yeah. to what's going on right now. And, um, one of the people that I interviewed, um, the first time was, um, a friend of mine who's runs the Hollywood bowl, um, and he's he's gay and and uh, you know we so I had asked him kind of just what what was going through his mind at the time when COVID was yeah. was hitting you know and he and oh yeah he, you know and he's in live music which is one of the worst hit yep. industries there is and and so and he said you know it's terrible but also I lived through uh, AIDS in the eighties and I'm going to live through this yeah. and we had a bit of a chat about that. Um, And it it reminded me that, um, you know, because I was, let's say, 12 or so when AIDS started, was on the news every night. And there was a time that younger people won't know about that AIDS was on the news every single night. And it was this, um, it was, you know, being called this modern plague. No one knew when it was going to end or how many lives it was going to take. No one knew how you could contract it. And there were all these yeah. stories about nurses and like refusing to treat patients yeah, because they didn't know if they were going to catch it by walking in the room with somebody and the, all and, of it was that. The
0: gay, and, and it was conveniently the gay disease. Absolutely. So it, was like it, was, a perfect, it was originally called the
1: gay cancer, yeah. right? So there was Ugh, this yeah. this boogeyman out there. And anyway, but there's so many parallels to, ha- to our reaction to COVID, right? That, um, again, just all of this disinformation and misinformation and, Uh, um, uh, conjecture and worry, you know,
0: politicization,
1: all of that for sure. And, 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 you know, like the diseases themselves are very different, but our reaction to it. And I think it really speaks to our, um, just how we behave when, when, when things are uncertain. Yeah. Right. When we don't know, you know, what's around the corner or if this, something's going to kill us or whatever. And, you know, and then, you know, we look back, on AIDS and, and it's obviously, you know, still terrible, but it wasn't the, um, end of the world as many people had thought it might be. And, yeah. uh, and we've come to coexist with it for the most part, at least, you know, in, in the West, um,
0: which happened so gradually. Yeah. I mean and also this may be like a very naive thing for me to say and, and perhaps and, and obviously it's a still running rampant through certain communities and countries and to your point it's, it's still an issue um, but you're right in that it was so front and center here and um, there was never this sort of moment of like guys we did it like let's all have a big world party did he you know there was no sense of it was it was all so gradual it was so like well this we you know this seems like it might help you know, this particular aspect of the, what happens with HIV, then this thing, well, then this thing, and pretty soon you have this cocktail and no one knows if the cocktail, like how long it's going to, so it's all been so kind of, unless it's right in front of you because A, you're, you know, actively involved in in the agenda of, of making the world safe for everyone uh, with very specific respect to AIDS or it's something that touches you personally because of a family member or a friend, um, it, it became this sort of thing that was like, oh yeah i guess i guess we can live with hiv now like you know what i mean it, it, it just was so it was so quiet it was so gradual it wasn't this moment and that i think we were all wait, were waiting for then that was that some person was going to be like I, I hold in this everlasting gobstopper <laughs> the kid, you know
1: i think you're right and you know for me it was like when magic you know announced that he had aids or hiv um I mean, that was certainly, you know, he and Easy e were the two biggest, you know, highest profile uh, non-gay, as far as anyone knows, right? That um, people that that had it and, uh, you know, Easy died and Magic didn't. And it was, yeah, I think it was some years later that you're like, oh, Magic's still alive and he's probably healthier than I am. Yeah, Um, yeah. But you're right. No, it was never, the war on AIDS was never won.
0: Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun.
1: Hey, J. Keith. Hey, Helen. Hey, you've got another true-false quiz for me? Yep. Yep. Our trivia podcast, Go Fact Yourself, used to be in front of a live audience. True. Turns out that's not so safe anymore. Correct. Next, unfortunately, this means we can no longer record the show. False. The show still comes out every first and third Friday of the month. Correct. Finally, we still have great celebrity guests answering trivia about things they love on every episode of Go Fact Yourself. Definitely true. And for bonus points, name some of them. Recently, we've had uh, Ophira Eisenberg, plus tons of surprise experts like Yardley Smith and Suzanne summers perfect score Woo-hoo. you can hear go fact yourself every first and third friday of the month with all the great guests and trivia that we've always had and if you don't listen well then you can go fact yourself that's the name of our podcast correct Woo-hoo.
0: were you um were you uh, influenced by by sports and hip-hop figures when you were young or is that something that were those things that you were uh into as a teen
1: um, sports a little bit. I mean, I, I grew up in, in, as I said, in the 80s in San Francisco, so I was a huge Niner fan. It was a great time. Um, but sports definitely, you know, kind of played a background role. Um, hip-hop very much, you know, was a big part of my life. Music in general. But, you know, I can remember the day in nineteen eighty when my friend walked up to me I had a friend that we used to sit in class and write our top 10 hits of the week every week great and um, and so one day he walked up and he was like oh this song Rapper's Delight have you heard it and and from that day on, we've been, you know, I've been, I've been into hip hop and in various ways, um, both personally and professionally. And that's kind of how I started my career as a, as a music manager. Um, but no, it definitely took over my life. Um, you know, since, since I was about nine years old.
0: Nine is a very early age to have something, become so prevalent that it that it ends up shaping your entire career um, I guess I say that as a person who's always kind of acted but my my whole journey feels so like zigzaggy that sure. it doesn't feel but well, maybe it doesn't feel like that to you I don't know like does it feel like that kind of dramatic of a straight line as you describe it um, and remember it or does it feel more no, meandery than that
1: it's more meandering. I would say um, you know in part um well, you know, I, so let's see. It's definitely taken some twists and turns, you know, as as I've explored different genres and it's not like I've only listened to rap my whole life. Um I think uh culturally that's sort of where I it, identified most and it's been the most consistent thing but i think it's more just like the environment like i was around music every single day um you know we had we had boom boxes we had you know walkmen um we had you know friends who were djs and would make mixtapes uh you know, uh, you know, I got into clubbing really early on as a teenager, which was a big part of being in San Francisco at that time. There was this amazing club scene happening south of market. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it wasn't, you know, I, I never like made music or I mean, I took I took trumpet as a fourth grader or something like that. and <laughs> But it didn't didn't really resonate with me um, mm-hmm. as something that I necessarily wanted to do. But it was just more like this um you know I I think it was just the entire culture and community around it and and you know I've I've told this story before that I so you know nine nine years old I learned about Rapper's Delight which was the first kind of hip-hop single for anyone who doesn't know um it was a massive you know global hit and then um but when i was 13 i was in the gym i remember you know they used to have everybody sit on their numbers while you wait for gym to start and you know one person just starts banging on the floor this drum beat and it was a run dmc beat and then within 30 seconds the whole gym so 30 kids or however many are all in unison banging out this beat and um Years later, I kind of realized that as a pivotal moment where I felt like mm. I'm part of this community and this culture that we're all sharing this experience. Yeah. Um, and at that age, right, you're not going to concerts. It's not like college where your participation as a music fan is much more active.
0: Right, right. right?
1: Um, but so, you know, this music was emerging into the world at the same time that I was. Um, and so those things just kind of coincided. Um, and I think, you know, part of it for me, as I, you know, I've done a lot of looking back and sort of as you like connecting the dots. Yeah. Um, that makes it feel less meandering. But, um, but I think part of it was that it was this underground music, right? That everyone didn't know about. Mm-hmm. And, and God,
0: that's such a powerful aphrodisiac as oh, a teenager, yeah. isn't it?
1: For sure yeah you have this you have this secret right and you feel um at least for me in the way that that it played out you know i think it could have gone very differently in in different places um uh you know i know you know like how can i say you know san francisco is this very open environment in terms of race in terms of um people being quote-unquote outsiders right Mm -hmm. like it's a community of outsiders if you will and so right so you had you know in in high school or middle school you had kids that were gay you had kids of all races uh you know in this melting pot that we sort of talk about in america that doesn't really exist but it sort of does in san francisco um and so you so anyway you felt like you had the the you know, my friend calls it the cheat codes, right? Mm. In your pocket that you're walking around mm-hmm. with this knowledge uh, and these set of experiences that not everybody had. And that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. What was your, was your high school like that? Was it sort of a, a microcosm of the small microcosm itself that is San Francisco? Was it, did you go to yeah. public school or, Yeah.
1: Yes, yeah, so I went to, I went to public school. I went to, um, actually I went to the same school that apparently Aya Cash went to. Um, oh, there you go. Which I learned listening to your show, <laughs> um, and uh, Aisha Tyler and Margaret Cho and Sam Rockwell. Uh, so it was the School of the Arts. Yeah, I was not in the arts part of the school, but um, but we had you know we had tons of artists, which I think very much affected the the culture at, at the school. Um, and we. I had, guess I didn't
0: realize that there was a sort of section. Maybe I'm forgetting. That there was a, that that there was sort of a, like that that a bunch of different students were going, and it wasn't all just art kids.
1: Yeah. So I don't know how widely known that is, but for, for whatever reason, there's this school of the arts that you have to. It's like a you know one of the top art schools in the country. You have to audition in, um, very competitive, and then they're also a, a regular public school and a, and a, not a good one. Um. <laughs> so I was in middle school. There's another school called Lowell, which is a I think it's a top 10 academic school nationally Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and you have to test in academically. So I took that test in middle school and I got in and my immediate reaction was like, I'm not going to a nerd school. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said that out loud and that was end of story. And all my friends... You basically friends,
0: bullied yourself.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like. yeah. Yeah, I was like, there's no way that I'm going to school with a bunch of dorks. Oh, um, boy. And so, you know, my friends were like their, uh, their... All their big brothers were cholos and they were in in uh, Latin gangs in San Francisco,
2: mm-hmm. which
1: was a pretty big subculture itself. And so... yeah. And those, the, and so I was friends with a bunch of guys who were like the little brothers of those guys. And, uh, so I've talked to all of them. It was like, where, you know, where are we going to high school? Yeah. And they all named this school. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to transfer there. So I didn't, I didn't go to Lowell and I didn't go to the school that I was supposed to go to geographically, which was, um, which was a school that OJ had gone to in years prior, um, hmm. which had been nicknamed hatchet high because somebody got killed with a hatchet. Um, there so I didn't want to go there and um so anyway I go to this macketeer and none of my friends ended up going and I I don't know what happened like either they didn't talk to their parents or who knows you know communication among 13 year olds um so I get there by myself and uh so it was this and I remember the first day I walked in so I always describe it as like a ghetto um Ridgemont High Mm mm-hmm (laughs) So like, you know, there was this great, uh, sports, you know, we weren't particularly like, we were really good at basketball. Um, and there was, you know, a lot of energy around sports. We had, uh, at lunchtime in the courtyard, they would bring DJs like and play and have like breakdance battles and dances and just on like Fridays on a random Friday, uh, at lunch. And so it was like super fun. We would, um, there was keggers like in the bleachers during school hours
0: oh my god
1: oh yeah it was it was (laughs) and the school is at the top of twin peaks or it's at the sorry at the bottom of twin peaks yeah um and there's a canyon that goes down there and and so the school ends into this canyon and kids had cut a hole into the fence and would go down to the canyon and do tons of drugs and there was like orgies (laughs) and it was just like it was crazy (laughs) um yeah.
0: Somehow somehow that word feels so grown up for like to be that age, you know? <laughs> somehow yeah. somehow the word orgy feels like you have to be out of high school if you're gonna participate in something called an
1: orgy. Well, I think you're supposed to. But um, if it's just a bunch
0: of kids having but, sex, uh, that's an it orgy. Was,
1: it was totally wild and and lots of fun. Um and it was just a crazy, crazy experience.
0: What was the in talking about, you know? Just kind of talking about the the the, di- the big D diversity word that's that's um, very much uh, very much at the front of a lot of conversations right now. Um, not to say that it isn't at other times, but we all know kind of where we are right now. Um, how much of that felt like you know because we that's one of the things I I love about this podcast and about talking about different the different kinds of culture that people grew up with because it has so much to do with like how we interact with our our lives and our culture whatever that may be now um how like self-aware was were you and and was the kind of community of you know stitched together people of these different cultural backgrounds and races and stuff um how how like front and center were those differences or or was that not something that was really coming up a lot
1: um It's it's funny because obviously is you know, I've thought about this a lot in the context of everything that's going on right now, right? Yeah. And um, when I moved to L.A. and I came to UCLA and I and, you know, it felt really weird to me to see groups of people who all look the same hanging out together Mm
2: -hmm. because
1: that was so different than uh where i came from and it's not to say that uh, you know san francisco doesn't have race issues because it does and did then and and you know there's there's i mean that's one thing hopefully that we've learned is that you know these issues are pervasive they're they're systemic they're societal right and there's it's complicated but um but it was this sort of weird utopia and and almost in a weird way so so uh i'd say this i got to elementary school in the third grade for whatever reason I transferred into elementary school third grade and um the first day and I you know for anyone listening um my background's Jewish I'm very dark-skinned I look you know my wife thinks I look middle eastern um but uh so so and I was short and so the first day I'm surrounded by like a I'm in this circle of like five or six kids who are checking out the new kid and someone I couldn't like I you can pictures like I couldn't see them, but I heard the voice that goes, what are you? <laughs> and um, and I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what. Yeah. I didn't know what kind of answer I was supposed to give.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I had seen I had only noticed at that time, two white kids in my class. They were like twin brothers and they were super freckly like um, <laughs> like um, alfalfa. Right. And. And they just got picked on like relentlessly. Right. And it's like I'd witnessed that, you know, early, quickly. Um, yeah. So, anyway, just someone says, What are you? And I'm sitting there like not knowing how I'm supposed to answer that. And someone else in that circle goes, uh, He's in Salvadoran. And I just didn't say anything.
0: Oh, like just as a guess?
1: Yeah, or, I yeah. I guess. Mean, I mean, yeah. yeah, I assume. Right. And all these kids, mostly, you know, were mostly black and Latino. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and anyway, so someone had guessed that. And I didn't argue. I didn't say yeah. yes or no. I just like, we just ended the conversation. And went, uh-huh, you know, we're nine yeah. years old. So yeah. we just go on playing whatever stupid, you know, tag we were playing. Um, but for many years, I sort of like, uh, past as Latino in this non-specific way. And then I was worried. I remember being worried that I didn't speak Spanish and it turns out like none of my friends spoke Spanish either because they were, <laughs> you know, they were code switching, right. Where yeah. they got it at home, but they didn't speak it to their friends. Yeah. Um, and so, and then no one ever questioned it. Right. But, but all, you know, since that day, my friends, my friend group has always been multiracial, multicultural, um, and it's never been something that I'd thought about mm-hmm. uh, until I was outside. Until I came to LA and saw a, a very different reality.
0: Yeah, and and when you kind of coming from that, is there? Do you have a sense that anything has shifted in terms of like what am, What do I mean? What am I trying to say? Um, Is there, is there a sense that like there's, there's still a a place for that or does it feel like everything is, um, so, so kind of raw and on the surface as we're looking at everything now that, 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 that everything has to be unpacked in some way with respect to like different races hanging out with each other and what it means. And uh, does that make sense? I don't even know what I'm asking. I think I'm just, um, coming from kind of a similar place in my childhood um like it like it it feels like a hard time to say and 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 it and it can be it can be like the whole idea of like it this needs to be uncomfortable because it's fucking uncomfortable for everyone and this is a time where everyone's really raw emotionally and physically anyway because of what our country's been going through um not to say obviously the world but in terms of how it has affected specifically like our socioeconomic and racial conversations. Um, like that it doesn't, it doesn't feel like, like I've found myself feeling like I'm not allowed to acknowledge. And I don't know who I feel like is, is, is telling me not to like, I'm not sure (laughs) again. It's like, I'm not sure any of this is like one-on-one person real, or if there's like maybe just like a, a, a fear of doing the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing that's, um, pervasive amongst people who don't who don't want to do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing cuz they want to be good people, they want to be allies, so they want to be whoever they are with with a good heart and a good soul. Um, but it feels like a bad it feels like a weird time to be like, no, but I I grew like I grew up in a really multicultural com- community like I, you know, like what how, how does that not okay or or should i is does that sound like i'm like trying to make an excuse or like i'm trying to separate myself from this idea of a like a white supremacist or do you know what i mean
1: yeah it's funny it's a it's a great question and i I mean it's a
0: non-question it's a real muddle (laughs) of a statement but i just felt like you and i like connected so hard when i did your podcast i just felt like you're gonna have something interesting to say about this
1: (laughs) yeah i appreciate that no um you know, first of all, for me, like there's never any been any question, you know, what side I'm on or how, you know, how I, um, it's funny because we, we, we talk about this, uh, this issue of identity Mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, and I think uh, i I start from the perspective that, you know, racism is real. Race Mm -hmm. is complete bullshit, that it's largely a construct of, that we've made up to control other people. Mm. And Um, do you feel
0: class also plays into that so hardcore? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, like, you know, money is our, is our currency that, that rules the world, right? And so, um, people will do whatever they have to, to control more of that. And so, dividing people and, and pitting people against one another is absolutely tricks of the trade. Mm. Um, And so, you know, I uh, but I did have a moment when, you know, when George Floyd was killed and all of this, um, you know, my social feed and and everything was filled with people, you know, voicing whatever perspectives they had on that. And so I, I had this moment and this is maybe to your question that. I felt like so I posted something. I, th- I think I posted, "I'm an ally, and I always have been," something like that. Mm. And the response was interesting. Um, most of the res- the comments were from friends of mine who are black, who I've known for many years, and there were probably, you know, several of those who were like, "Yeah, you don't need to s- speak up right now. Like, we know who you are." Right, right. And they're like, "You don't even need to say that." Right, um, and then one one friend who's who's also black who who I who is a newer friend I don't know that well wrote me and said that's cool but what but what are you doing about it right mm-hmm. like and I and I thought well that's a great question like I appreciate that challenge right, right? and and uh, because I also know that me saying that doesn't really matter you know it doesn't really help anybody. You know, and again, it was brought to my attention that the people that I would want to feel like that w- who I would want to know that I was in their corner I already knew that um mm-hmm. and that that wasn't an issue and then this other person who didn't know me as well was like, okay what well, you know let's let's like talk more about that right and let yeah. you know um and and I had a you know a conversation with her and and whatever and so um but but I think. Like we should always be questioning, you know, our role in mm-hmm. the society that we're creating. Yeah, and you know, and the extent to which any of us is part of the problem. Like that's that's on us to figure out, and yeah. we should we should all be asking ourselves that all the time. Um,
0: no, it absolutely does. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's that you don't you don't have to come up with a magical answer because that is something that uh, I think m- many people have have been very, you know, people who have who who have made their lives about these questions are like we'll get ready because this isn't as, you know, there's a there's there's a lot to this, <laughs> and please don't come to me for a sentence and then take that sentence and feel like you're good to go. Um, but uh, but yeah, I don't. I just I think um, I'm. Thank you for for indulging me because I I want to keep you know feeling like I just want to be able to keep having conversations with people and 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 continue to recognize like I'm coming from a different place than someone else and 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 also like having compassion and hoping that other people have compassion for me amidst all of this because we are a product uh of so many things that came before us or that we were surrounded by um the question is like how hard is it to break out of something that is so far afield in terms of how you were raised of like what could be argued ethically is like the right thing to do or whatever is um that's it that's you know well, That's a whole other kind of thing, but
1: sure. But I think it, you know, f- I think it's all about empathy and compassion,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: really nothing else. Like, mm-hmm. you know, my so you know you asked the question about how you know being outside of that San Francisco bubble, right? And so now I have an eleven, my son's going to be eleven next month, who I'm raising, and um, you know we we think very much about his um, understanding of. Race and his place in that right mm-hmm. um, among everything else in society um, and we think about his you know there is a little bit of probably I wouldn't say a deliberate effort because but you know there's a little bit of awareness of like are we allowing him to experience diversity in life and make sure that he's exposed to different kinds of people and different types of experiences and, and all of that, right? Because he's growing up in a very different environment than I did sure. um, where some of that may not be as readily available. Turns out it's kind of a non-issue. I think, first of all, uh, my you know my friends are very diverse, and so the kids that he meets through them sort of helps take care of that. And I also think... Um, that these kids uh, you know I know like we like to feel optimistic about the future I really do see in in people his age this like very innate awareness of racism and uh, and just the wrongness of all that like these kids just get it right Um, in a way that I think previous generations took longer to get to yeah but i think for me and what i try to give him is like nothing else matters except for don't treat people like shit (laughs) right and uh, you know institutionally personally uh, all of that and uh, you know i think like i i what does bother me a little bit about all of the conversation going on now is the sort of like um people trying to police each other's wokeness and, you know, correcting, you know, like the whole white guilt, white fragility, um, that whole discussion is both important and valuable and also potentially very distracting. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's where like it gets maybe to what you're talking about. That's where it gets a little confusing, Mm -hmm. right? Is because there's all this emotion attached to it. Um, you know, I I've, I've interviewed a friend of mine the other day who's, who's black and, and is, you know, she's voiced how she doesn't want to have to take on the energy and the emotion of her white friends who want to be on the side, you know, on the right side, but they, they're, they're figuring it out as they go. And mm-hmm. she's like, don't put that burden on me, right? And I get that.
0: Right, yeah, absolutely. Totally
1: so get that. And then at the same time, I think, you know, it's back to kind of core principles, which is just don't be shitty to people, right? (laughs) You know, treat people like you'd want to be treated and, and, you know, with empathy and compassion and, and a lot of the rest just takes care of itself.
0: No, I think that's very well said. I, I, you're right. I think the, the question of how much energy to put and where to put it and, and, and all of that is like definitely an ongoing conversation and it's, and it's messy and it's going to be messy so god bless this mess like it's a little freaking stitched thing that hangs above someone's stove i don't know um I couldn't like think of I couldn't think of the word cross stitch like all I could think was the word stitch and that was going to have to do and also stove I don't know I feel like normally I would say like your oven or your re- like I don't know like a stove feels very suddenly you're like in a like a hobbit hole um, anyway <laughs>
1: I like Um, like it. I like the image that it conjures. I'm
0: so glad. I'm so glad. Did you, this is such a specific, like it's a very San Francisco specific question, but did you start driving when you could start driving or were you in such a sort of walking it sucks to park public transport city that that wasn't as big of a play as it is for people who live in like a suburban place?
1: I love that question. So first of all, before I answer, I, we, I used to take the school bus and then in fourth grade, my three friends and I decided we'd had enough of that and we started taking to Muni and yep. it was a nickel and we would, we would take the public transportation to school starting in fourth grade. Um, and I grew up, I grew up on the Muni, right. And, and had so many experiences, uh, met girls who I dated, who I ended up dating on the Muni and got into fights and it was just wild times I, um, you know
0: I, I you're the first person I've ever talked to who really has that same relationship again I was not oh, I was I there it. nine and a half years but like so many of my memories are attached to fucking Muni like they oh, really yeah. are whether it's like waiting at a stop getting on being late getting stuck on something that stops in the middle of the tunnel like oh man get, dis, make, those decisions you make where you're like maybe I should just get out of Van Ness and walk the rest of the way like is For that sure. what should, you know what I mean just all of that is. I know that's like the subway system from New York but um, because I'm not from New York those conversations don't happen that often and I, I really right. hit me when you said that like how deeply those memories are tied to Muni oh
1: totally and to
0: a lesser degree part
1: yeah yeah, same area. It was great and crazy. Yeah, so my grandmother gave me her car when for my sixteenth birthday. Um, and so I you know, I did the my you know, my dad taught me how to drive. I did all did the Did she live training. in the Bay Area too? No, she lived she in, in LA. Or...
0: Oh, okay. Um, so did you go down and like how did that car make it to you?
1: Yeah, so the the uh you know, part of it is so my parents got divorced when I was like ten. Uh, my mom moved back to LA where she was from and mm-hmm. then we went through this disgusting custody battle and, uh, under court mm-hmm. order, I had to go visit her once a month and for the summer, um, starting at, I think 12. And so, um, so when I turned 16, you know, there's an argument that it makes sense for me to have a car cause I could drive, um, to go visit my mom. And so, uh, so I got a car, you know, on my 16th birthday and had a car, you know, throughout the rest of high school. I guess that was whatever, two years, my last two years of high school. Um, and it was, it was a great thing. Like you, you know, car is currency in high school and especially sure. in San Francisco where most people didn't have cars. Yeah. And uh, so I got to, you know, I got to decide when, you know, what parties we were going to and when we were leaving and um lots of fun stuff
0: well played what i gotta go visit mom that's what divorce is for
1: totally <laughs> yeah no that worked out okay um and we used to i mean we used to take road trips we'd go to santa cruz we'd go to wherever we could so my my friends were the like we were just all about the party
0: were you a bad student or did you manage to somehow squeak out? I was i guess it um, wasn't a great school so maybe it was easy to just skate by so i
1: was a, uh, I was an early learner. My parents taught me really well when I was little. And then I would say I kind of coasted all the way to college. Um, so I never worked hard, I was, uh, but I got pretty good grades. I remember um, uh, Mr. Schwartz in the eighth grade. Um, I, there, was, there was a girl who had a crush on me and used to do my homework for me. Um that sucks. I was such a shitty I, I apologized to her uh recently over Facebook. Um But uh I, I remember walking up, I turned my paper in one time and he looks at it and he goes, Hey, I know you could have done that if you wanted to. And uh he gave me an A Whoa. on the paper. Um, and so I was really I was great uh with my teachers. I I knew how to build rapport with them
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and get pretty good grades without working very hard.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so that took me up to college. It didn't work at all in college. And so I got to UCLA and I was woefully underprepared. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was, you know, it was a super competitive school and, uh, and I, I really had no business being there.
0: <laughs> how did that go did you stay did you drop out did you
1: no i stayed i graduated in in four years i um i found i was on academic probation i think once or twice um and i just somehow or another figured out a way to do enough to get by
0: and what was your major um,
1: so i graduated in linguistics and psychology and what happened was so i I'd entered. Um, so I saw Wall Street in high school and I was like, you know, the Charlie Sheen. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, that seems cool. And um, and so <laughs>
0: Is it all, I thought the point of Wall Street was to show how bad it was.
1: You know, my my life has weirdly been guided. You asked me about music, which has played a huge role in my life. But weirdly, it's been guided by movies, maybe more. Um so before that I watched um I watched uh, Oxford Blues Rob Lowe.
2: Uh-huh. He's
1: he's like a poor kid who gets into Oxford and and everyone picks on him. Uh-huh. Um, and so I was like fuck yeah I'm going to go to Oxford. And <laughs> I'd never heard of Oxford. And I was like and then I don't know what happened but that it just faded away uh-huh. somehow and then I wasn't going to Oxford anymore. So then I saw Wall Street and I was like I'm going to go work on Wall Street. <laughs> And um, and so I got into UCLA by accident. Uh, not by accident, but they shouldn't have let me in,
2: uh-huh.
1: but they did. And um, <clears throat> oh, so wait, so I was I was gonna go to Wall Street, right? So I, but I, the court had said I had to go spend summers with my mom. So I was junior year, I was with my mom, and she's like, "Hey, do you want to go on a college tour?" And I said, "Sure." She's like, "Well, let's go to UCLA." So we go. She books a th- th- their tours, and I we spend a day at UCLA. And at the end of that, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to go to UCLA. <laughs> this is awesome." So easy peasy. I, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I applied, got in miraculously, and I get there thinking, "This is I'm on my way to Wall Street." So I, I apply as an economics major. Little did I know, like it is long you know it's like not the right way to go to wall street
0: uh-huh.
1: just in terms of like it's not a business degree and they're not teaching you all the things that you it's like a right. whole different path right right so anyway i get into econ which is uh hyper competitive and i get like c's my first semester and they're like okay you're not an econ major anymore you're out um hmm. and then i i had so then i'm undeclared and you have a couple years i think to figure that out And, uh, meanwhile, I kind of find myself in, in the music industry while I'm in college, I started managing artists. In fact, you know, a couple, uh, students from UCLA who asked me to be their managers and I started managing and then, um, uh, and I was doing other stuff in the music business. So it didn't really matter because I, I had, at that point I had decided my career path is going to be the music industry. Um, and so, but I just wanted to graduate. So I, You know, at the time, we had these paper catalogs because, you know, I'm so old. We didn't have internet.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: um, so I'm sitting on the floor at my mom's house, like, trying to find the major that will get me out of school the fastest. Because I just wanted to graduate and be done with it. Yeah. And so... I'm pretty good at languages, and I had, um, I had done AP Spanish in high school, and then, you know, that got me eight units or whatever, and I had, so anyway, I had all these language units um, that I could apply if it was to the right major, right? so I picked linguistics because that got me out of school like two semesters, two quarters faster ah, than every okay. other major, Got it. Um and I'd, I didn't really know what linguistics was, but I, I like i taken <laughs> linguistics one, like I took the first class and I was like, yeah, this isn't that hard. And people were like, oh, my God, you must be so smart. Linguistics is really hard. And I was like, I don't I don't know what's hard about it. Um, what
0: what was what is ling- linguistics 101 look like
1: uh now i don't even remember but yeah. you know it's a it's a is it's it talking a st- about
0: like the roots of languages and like yeah i mean they- linguistics
1: okay. overall is the study of language in every aspect right so in terms of historically how language changes in terms of how it works in the brain there's like psycho uh neurolinguistics there's yeah. the there's I think all you really these- get
0: on board for this i think
1: it's actually i it's it's fascinating right yeah. because language is the you know, it's the foundation of how we communicate relate to other people in, in our world. Um, and so it explores all of that. Um, it's not very like as a, course of study it leads you basically into either teaching linguistics or into oh, like sure. clinical sure. roles that I had no interest in so it was more just you know people yeah. were, you know like your grandparents are like well what are you gonna do with your degree and I was yeah. like I'm not I'm gonna go manage rappers like I, that has nothing to do <laughs> with what I'm doing um,
0: I love that your credits were basically like tickets you got from a skee ball machine at like a mini golf or like a like okay how many let's see that okay that giant plush bear no i don't want that oh <laughs> you, oh there we go get out of go, get out of school quickly this this'll do
2: That's yeah really funny. for sure but you did it I but did it. you know
0: yeah and you're not the first person obviously to have that sense of like well wait a minute like i feel like the real world has already crept into my collegiate experience right you know and and then it starts you start to feel speaking of almost feeling like you have a secret you have a secret like being back in the clubbing days like you're like well wait a minute now i have this information that's like grown-up adult real world business true true economics Mm -hmm. one could argue uh experience like what am I what am I doing? I mean and many people just drop out altogether, right? And are fine. Um so I actually applaud I applaud you saying like, I'll get the degree.
1: Well what's interesting is, you know, I mean I'm glad I finished. I think it's you know it's it was the right thing to do to start and finish something. Um I think the like having that degree has never helped me. Like no one's you know, I've never gotten a job because of that or anything like that. Um yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, but, you know, and I have friends who, who were in similar situations dropped out to be full-time in the music industry. And, you know, some of them at least are more successful, you know, than I am in certain ways, but, but they have, uh, they have a bit of regret over not having graduated. And, yeah. um, I don't know that I necessarily would have had that, but, I'm, but you know, it's maybe that was a good sign that I saw it through.
0: Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun.
2: Dead Pilot Society brings you exclusive readings of comedy pilots that were never made, featuring actors like Patton Oswalt. So the vampire from the
0: future sleeps in the dude's studio during the day, and they hunt monsters at night. It's Blade meets the Odd Couple.
1: <laughs> Adam Scott and Jane Levy.
0: Come on, Corey. She's too serious, too business She doesn't know the hokey-pokey.
1: Well, she'll learn what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> Busy Phillips and Dave Keckner. Baby, this is family. My Uncle Tell,
0: who showed his wiener to Cinderella at Disneyland, is family. Do you want him staying with us? He
1: did stay with us for three months. And he was a delight. <laughs> a new pilot every month, only on Dead Pilot Society, for maximum fun.
0: Okay, i got to get into this MASH game with you. I could talk to you forever. Uh, I am going to, however, get into this because I am also very excited to, to see what your answers are going to be to some of these Uh-oh. categories I have, in some cases, not yet thought of. Um, cool. Uh, well, I think uh, your experience with movies it belies our need to start with the category that relates to movies. So um, let's give you this opportunity to jump into one of you know three movies that you would love to be able to jump into and just be living in that world um interacting and 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 just you know chilling where whenever you want to
1: okay so i i'm not going to pick wall street or oxford blues because i would love to hang out with the dude and big lebowski great trading places great and uh, there's a great movie called Twenty Four Hour Party People, which was about the birth of the rave scene in Manchester. Yeah, it seems like it would just be a load of, load of fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I just had been thinking about that movie, and then this other movie that I always forget the name of, and it's like the most simple name in the world, but it's another movie like that. God, I just like a did. It. Rave I just movie? did it. Yeah, I just I just went through this because that's there because. Yeah, I just went through this and I'll have to, I'll have to like email you later because it was this. I was, I loved this movie and now I can't remember hmm. what it was. It came out in like probably like 2001, 2002, something like
1: that. So there was like Go, which was the yeah. sort of commercialized version. There was Human Traffic, which was pretty cool.
0: I think it was Human Traffic, maybe.
1: That was a fun movie. I don't,
0: that's the one that like really goes like wackadoo, right? And it's the two guys, the two yes. main guys and Flat Eric and like all of this. Um, Yeah, I, I, I I, I'm, I'm pretty positive that that is what it was, and I love that movie. That was one of those movies where, kind of like the Danny Boyle style too, that 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 feeling of like, what is happening? Like, can movies do this? Um, Which was great which was super great. Uh, okay. Awesome. Uh, next category, let's do three. You've had the opportunity to work with many fine, fine artists. Uh, let's give you the opportunity to work with perhaps three more, uh, that for some reason or other, possibly because they're no longer with us. Um, you won't get a chance to do in this universe, uh, three artists, three singer songwriters, three rappers, anything you want that you would love to collaborate with on something.
1: Oh, wow. Um, Prince, which was the the first concert I ever went to, nice. uh, when I was ten, which is an incredible experience. He Man he, knows. I I say that he seems like he's not at all fun to work with, but uh, I just have such you know massive respect for him and his artistry. Yeah, that he's on the list. Um, Carlos Santana, amazing. Yeah uh miles davis who also seems not fun to work with
0: (laughs) in this version you're getting only the best just only well they're gonna make i mean i say that
1: like they're gonna make you do your best work yeah you may not enjoy the process uh but you know i think there's something to be said for that
0: yeah no that makes sense that absolutely makes sense Um, okay next category let's do three real places in the real world that you would love to if we could just teleport you there for uh, vacation whatever that means it doesn't have to mean a beach it can mean you know wandering the streets of a city you love but three vacation homes anywhere in the world
1: south of France there's something special uh, just a magical about the energy there Mm -hmm. that I can't explain but I feel it as soon as I get there. Yeah. Um, Tokyo. Yeah. And uh, Rio.
0: Okay, wonderful. Uh, Next category three foods that in this reality are either sort of ecologically irresponsible, or you're allergic, or it's just too many calories. Uh, We're going to give you three things in perpetuity, no matter how rare or bad for you they are, they will have zero ramifications.
1: Yeah, Um, ice cream. I'm just—that's like the dessert that I care about.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed.
1: Um, sushi. Mm-hmm. And this is probably supposed to be worse for you, but I'm going to say bananas.
0: <laughs> I love it. No rules. There's no rules. You can say bananas.
1: Yeah, I love let bananas. me ask
0: you this side sideline question that is related. How? When did you get exposed to sushi?
1: Oh man! So I had uh, uh, my friend Jennifer, when I was sixteen, started taking me to this sushi place on Mission Street, where they would serve us beer, and and we would <laughs> we sat there eating sushi, and we we used to go all the time. That's great. Yeah, I
0: was curious. I'm so curious always because depending on where. You know depending on what age you are for sure yeah. and also depending on where you are like there are people who just you know they're like oh i i there was no such thing as sushi in, you know kentucky where i grew up like and i had to visit new york or whatever yeah. um i'm always fascinated by that particular. well that's how,
1: like we didn't i mean she i had never heard of sushi yeah right because this was the 80s and it just wasn't hadn't made its way you know yet but yeah but, uh, you know, I was in San Francisco where it existed. For sure. And, um, and we could go have beer. That's great. That's yeah. great.
0: Uh, okay, next category, let's do all due respect to uh, real life love. This is a MASH game. So three people that you would like to have an alternate universe or romance of some kind with. They could be characters, characters from a book, comic book, uh, you know, people from long ago, whatever age you want them. Characters from a movie. Uh, sure. Three,
1: three. Okay. Uh, Selma Hayek. Right. The girl with the dragon tattoo. The
0: uh the the person, the, 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 girl with the Yeah, the actual person, like the character. The yeah, the character.
1: Yeah. And uh, Pam Greer, Foxy Brown.
0: Fabulous. Uh, okay. Next category three powers super or otherwise could be super practical uh that you could wake up you'd love to wake up with tomorrow and have sort of downloaded matrix style
1: um okay teleportation yeah um funny my wife is a big fan of road trips and i'm like i just want to be there (laughs) (laughs) it's It's a it
0: really is a different experience i mean yeah that's a that's a whole different mindset
1: yeah um i don't know if this counts but you know, my my fake dream career um it would be a TV evangelist.
0: <laughs> okay, save it. Save it because I want to okay. do ne- I, let's do fa- let's do alternate universe careers next cuz I oh, okay. definitely want to give you a very fair shot at t- a TV evangelist. Televangelist. Um, All right.
1: um okay, then I would love to be the world's greatest martial artist. Great. And uh the power to heal.
0: Which may come in handy if you are a televangelist
1: (laughs) that's right there's a there's a theme there
0: absolutely uh okay i've got your your alternate universe career number one as televangelist um what are numbers two and three
1: tennis champion great and stand-up comic
0: all right okay which is a bit like
1: a tv evangelist isn't
0: it you're not wrong both, of, both times you're just really trying to convince someone that you know what you're doing. That's gotcha. right. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Final category for you. Uh, let's do, you want to do a little uh, time travel? Want to check out something from the past that um, you're in a safety bubble, but that you get to like sort of witness for yourself, like either you're solving a mystery uh, uh, to where you can answer this question that we don't know the answer to, or uh, or just something you'd love to see happen or a time in a place
1: that sounded really cool. Sure. Um, you know, part of me feels like now's the best time. Man, it's, it's hard to say this in 2020 with a straight face, but like there's definitely a part of me that's not nostalgic for the past. It feels like we're in the best time to live and it only keeps getting better for most people. Um, but, uh, when I do think about it, I think, um, uh, i think of the renaissance so like 1500s europe Mm -hmm. um i think of the 60s in probably san francisco so not that far from where i actually lived Mm -hmm. but that free love era seemed like a lot of fun um and maybe like harlem renaissance so jazz jazz era of the 20s
0: great okay uh give me a number between one and seven four okay Can you, while I'm doing this, uh, tell these fine listeners who uh, possibly may not know where to find your podcast and anything else they need to be checking out? Yeah, absolutely. Okay,
1: sure. So my podcast is Rebel Radio, where I get to spend time every week with the most creative, interesting people I can find, including Janet Varney's been gracious enough to be a guest. Very flattered to be asked. uh, No, that was a super fun episode, and uh, love to do it again. But uh, yeah, it's rebelradionet or, sorry, rebelradio.net for the website or uh, Rebel Radio on Spotify, iTunes, and everywhere else.
0: Wonderful. Uh, okay. First of all, I want to congratulate you on your little apartment. Maybe we'll call it a pied-à-terre in the south of France. Oh, Pretty fabulous. So cool pretty fabulous Um, that feels like kind of a yeah I I like this because it feels like kind of a fun portal through which to go into the renaissance Mm. um because I feel like there's some good like threads there that uh, sure. that maybe uh, relate in a on a different way in a different level than like being in Los Angeles and heading to the Renaissance. I like this soft landing well, of you going by. to the Renaissance from South of France. Yeah, uh, I want to also congratulate you on your uh, your uh, collaboration with Carlos Santana, mm. uh, your ability to jump into the movie Twenty Four Hour Party People which is a real change of pace. I think that's pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, I'll take Santana with me. That sounds super fun.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. He'll groove on that. Oh, um, for sure. Uh, these two came in side by side. Was there any way they weren't going to? You are in this alternate universe. You have the experience uh, of being a televangelist who does have the power to heal.
1: What could be better?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that sounds like it's going to be, uh, very satisfying, but very exhausting work. I want you to know that you can rest assured you can have unlimited ice cream in, with all satisfaction and zero ramifications.
1: I'm so going to need that.
0: Um, <laughs> thank you for making it a medical necessity for you to have ice cream. <laughs> you really Absolutely. justify that in a way that makes me feel good. Uh, and you're doing all of this with, uh, the quite quite wonderful and very very much so in that sense of like kind of what we were talking about with, with human traffic um, the the sort of like I hate to say record scratch but like the sort of stop the press moment of the first time you see Salma Hayek uh, in my case in the movie Desperado um, I was like what's happening the, the, like the rules have changed she's a goddess like what is going on she's so funny so dynamic just like very special very very special um and that's who you have ended up having this this romance with so i'm i'm very pleased all due respect to the other two um uh i i have to play favorites and say i'm really glad you got sama so (laughs) Um, so great work with the mash uh, the only thing that is remaining uh, that I did not warn you about at all is I like to invite my gentleman guests uh, since that's when I do the those is, is generally over the summer um, while I'm still in that phase I welcome you to sing uh, a, whatever snippet of Don Henley's boys of summer you can think of or a, a song that sort of means summer to you
1: no, I like that when I uh, my son was in School of Rock and he had to learn to play. I think it was the other version. No, I forget. It was like Alien Ant Farm or something. Oh, um,
0: okay. Which is,
1: which is the same, just with yeah. maybe louder guitars. <laughs> um, so I had the pleasure, I suppose, of hearing <laughs> that song probably 80 to <laughs> 300 times Wonderful. while he was practicing. Wonderful. Um, so yeah, I, I don't sing, but let us let me see how I can do.
0: You can talk sing if you want.
1: Cool. Um, i can see you your brown skin shining in the sun got your hair pulled back in your sunglasses on baby
0: yep beautiful uh, well beautiful that's the best rendition. i got so beautiful and true i'm always curious what portion is going to come up a lot of the time as i bet you can imagine it's out on the road today you saw a deadhead sticker on a cadillac like that that particular phrase really sticks with people, and and then they realize they don't remember any of the
1: rest of the song. And I get it. Are, are you um, dead at
0: all? Not at all. Not even a little bit. Me neither. Like and,
1: and I'm I'm yeah. I'm like uh, I mean, first of all, I'm as somebody that you know works in and appreciates music, like I'm fascinated with the dead.
0: Oh God, yeah, absolutely. I
1: have no interest whatsoever in their music.
2: <laughs> um, but
1: but yeah. like what I was going to say is. You know, you have this idea in your head of what a deadhead looks like. Yes, and then sometimes I meet people that are nothing like that whatsoever, and they correct. They go like they travel to the shows and they're like yes, super into it. And I'm always just amazed at like the the breadth of that band, how they they just suck people into their universe.
0: A thousand percent, and I will say, uh, a I relate to everything you're saying. B I cannot believe how many deadheads, like, I had in my life, particularly when I lived in Flagstaff and San Francisco, to, for some reason, never hear their music. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, like, somehow, but also, like, seeing, like, Grateful Dead stickers, uh, or seeing, I think my dad even had, like, a Grateful Dead shirt, and I assumed they were, like, ACDC. Right like I couldn't have been more sure that it was like yeah, the yeah. devil's no, music it, it looks, you know what I mean it it, not harder. that I had a problem with it yeah it just sure. seemed like oh whatever this is is like ooh scary gosh watch out skulls um but that's <laughs>
1: just that's out. really funny like if you go back to a lot of that music and you know I, I'm like you hear people talk about Iron Maiden which also like the name yes. and it, it sounds super hard and but it If you listen to that music, which I don't very often, but it's almost like operatic.
0: Oh, my God. Absolutely. It's it really is. It's like theatrical rock.
1: Right. And you're like, well, this isn't scary at all. Like, I know.
0: I know. You know,
1: it's so funny how we get uh, these different uh, attachments to to those those ideas or those images.
0: Absolutely. Well, I feel like the first the, the the first kind of understanding I had of that on any level was when I had a sense of who Alice Cooper was because of MTV. Right. Um, And, you know, everyone just loved talking about how, you know, how much he was like satanic or whatever. Just he was hardcore. And then he moved to Tucson and was like seen on the golf course all the time. And I was like, oh, "Oh, that's great. Got it. Yes. Okay. So there's like personas, and there's you know, sure. there's like myth and and all of that kind of stuff. And but yeah, for sure, like that was definitely true of ACDC. I remember people being like ACDC is like really hardcore, and now I listen to it, I'm like this is just like good rock. Like there's nothing edgy about it to mm-hmm. me at all. Totally. Oh, the times, the times! So funny. Um, I'm. I, I appreciate that reminder about the Grateful Dead because it really is like one of those weird peripheral things that never sunk in to me at all. No, but um, they
1: got. They just got some they people. Got, they just got them yeah. all all the way in.
0: And then many of those people then sort of like also got into the fish. Oh yeah, that fish idea. Yeah, the fish idea, Janet. You're so square. <laughs> Um, no, that's a good, <laughs> that, that, that should be the phenomenon. title of
1: uh, one of your books. Yeah. <laughs> the fish idea. But Why I did she write a whole that, you know, book
0: on a band she doesn't listen to? Yeah.
1: Um, but, you know, for people that are building, you know, creative careers and, and fans, like, we should all be studying the Grateful Dead. Oh, absolutely. They, they completely wrote the playbook.
0: Absolutely. And yet I have no idea... What strategy there was Because it feels so much like The community kept building on itself Just from a place of like You've got to be a part of this love fest I don't know
1: But that's the strategy And some of it you can't replicate Because the time and place has changed Right And yeah. the cultural, culturally we're in a different time But no But they like um, You know So a big part of the dead uh, Deadheadism Whatever that's called <laughs> Is um, Is is bootlegging the tapes from their shows.
0: That's right.
1: Right. And so what Metallica or someone else would have done was like shut that down and got lawyers involved and not allowed anyone to, you know, unlawfully make copies of their uh, copyrighted material. Yeah. And the dead didn't do that. They allowed that to proliferate and Mm. it spreads the, the legend and the love and it makes people feel like they're... Um, in on the joke right it's back to what we were saying earlier about having the 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 secret right and and you're you know if you're a deadhead you're instantly part of this global community where there's there's a code and a and a love Um, and you know and so yeah part of what they did was just stayed out of the way and let people do their own thing Um, and then I think the drugs helped a lot too (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> touche yeah.
1: drugs with your fans no rule number one is do drugs with your fans
0: oh you're so right my friend this has been such a pleasure i've been looking forward ah, this to this is awesome. for months um i hope that uh our uh communication continues on and offline and um and yeah same I'm, here. I'm, I'm so happy to have had you on the podcast um uh, I'm going to say a real a real life goodbye after I hit stop. So uh, everybody else, thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is "Back Before We Were Brittle" by the amazing Say Hi.
2: Skyscrapers Bring the villains To their knees Maybe we should Move someplace new And build time machines To go and get us back home.
1: Maximumfun.org Comedy and culture.